This podcast is a 98 Studios production. Today's the day, baby. Today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the motherfucking day. Today is the day. Today's the day. Today is the day. Today's the day. What up, what up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to Today's the Day with Zach Anderson. As always, I'm super, super excited to record tonight. A little bit of a different episode. Um, first time meeting is tonight, so I'm really yeah. excited to dive in, get to know you a little bit with everybody else on here. But first and foremost, before we go anywhere with this, I want to thank Mr. Jordan Tarver for being here. Thank you so much, man. You traveled in all the way from where? Seattle. Seattle. Got here today. Got here today. Um, so I appreciate you big time, man. Thank you for being here and, and I'm excited to dive into it. We appreciate you. Yeah, man. I'm stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. And, uh, let's, let's get it rolling. It's going to be fun. Yeah, let's do it. So, so fill us in real quick. So Jordan, where are you from? Fill us in on, on, on kind of where you come from. We'll get to where you're at eventually, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but give us the background on you real quick to help us get to know you a little bit. Yeah. So I grew up in a small town of about 40,000 people in uh, a beautiful place called Sonoma County. Mm-hmm. Now we're North of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I'm youngest of four. I went to a uh, small Montessori school with only 40 other kids. And so when I transferred from that large school or small school to a large school, I started to feel like I wasn't really fitting into my life. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of my childhood and growing up was actually working through a ton of insecurities that held me back from the person who I am now. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of my childhood was or I guess after my childhood was unpacking all of that and unpacking the things mm-hmm. that were starting to feel like they were becoming my biggest problems. Cool. And so, you know, when I think of my childhood and being from Northern California and, and Sonoma County, it's highly defined by that. And mm-hmm. that's why I do like a lot of things I do now. But what do you mean by that? A by those insecurities. So oh, like, I, got you, got you, got I feel you. like my life was defined by my insecurities and self-doubt. Understood. And it took a great deal of work to kind of unpack and unravel and overcome those things. Cool. I'm, I'm super stoked to dive into you unpacking and unraveling those things. I think that that's super powerful. But even staying back kind of where it originated, right? Yeah. You're youngest of four. When you say insecurities, and I understand not, not fitting in and stuff, you go from a small school to a large school, that's probably a massive like what the hell type thing. Um, where do you think your insecurities kind of started? Or was there any particular moment where you remember like, holy crap, that was like a moment that like stuck with me for a long time and if not no worries but i'm just curious yeah i mean the biggest thing was that transfer was it was going from until i was about 11 being in a school of 40 people Mm -hmm. and then going to a school of 700 yeah and that's a culture shock why did you why did you transfer the school ended at sixth grade got you so then you went into a a middle school or junior high. yeah and so the tough thing too was like the people who were at that school started a year before me together. Mm-hmm. And so I had started a year after. So not only was I dealing with the culture shock of, hey, like there's almost 550 more people at the school, yeah, but these kids also know each other. They've also been going to school together since they were like four. Yeah. I was in a different st- a town and a district. So a lot of the insecurity came from literally just feeling like I was the fucking the new kid on the block yeah. and not be able to find that like groove. Got you. And what is that like? Like I, I can totally relate to that, but what was that like for you in the moment? Cause I know how you interpret it now, but in that moment, what was it like out of curiosity? Just not knowing my place. Mm-hmm. And all, honestly, like there was a lot of like, I feel like every day was like, okay, maybe like today's the day. Maybe today's the day that I fit in, you know, not to be like like the the name of the podcast, but legit, like maybe this is the day where I can find my groove or meet the people or, or find my confidence. Yeah. But that just found, felt like a never ending, like labyrinth that I never could really find like that path for a while. Mm -hmm. And so the big part for me was like, it was, it was a daily battle. It wasn't just like, oh, like, yeah, day one of school was tough. Yeah. No, it was like day one through 900. Yeah. It was all tough. Got you. And did that continue all the way up through high school and everything like that, you're saying? Yeah. So that was, I felt like, so I left Northern California for college. I went to school at Cal State Fullerton mm-hmm. in Southern California in Orange County. And I was the only person at my friend group that really left. And so I felt like, I was like, hey, this is an opportunity to maybe like, you know, hit the reset button, start fresh, yep. try to redefine who I was. But I realized you take the person you are wherever you go. Yep. And so that insecure, self-conscious, unconfident person stuck with me Yeah. until I really committed to making a change. So you, in your mind, in your young mind, it was like, okay, when I get somewhere new, 
these feelings will stay back where they were because it was this, it was this, it was the circumstance and the situation that was causing the problems, not me. That's what I thought. And then, yeah. That's what you thought, right? And then when you got to college in SoCal, you're like, shit like it's yeah. still here oh wait it's, i go everywhere it's just yeah. me it's just me it's, it's, just, it's, me. <laughs> it's not it's not it's the way my brain is processing the situation because yep. a lot of those insecurities were only true because i made them true in my head mm-hmm. you know a lot, i think a lot of those things that we deal with in life even you know that stuff still gets triggered it's still part of me yep but a lot of it is is my perception of the experience and how i'm making myself feel about the experience yep and that's what I had to like basically unlearn was like, I could go into a situation and not put myself in that position from exactly. the very beginning. Exactly. So, I mean, that's, that's the Tony Robbins quote, right? Tony Robbins famous quote is, um, the world is as you see it to you, not how it actually is. Mm-hmm. Basically how you view the world is how your reality is, not how the world actually is. Right. So if, if, if that makes any sense, I butchered the quote, I think, but you know what I'm saying? Um, that's awesome. So then you get there, you realize it's you. That's probably an aha moment or a breakthrough moment, I assume, right? Was that defeating or empowering at first? I think it was empowering because it, it showed me that at any point in time, I could change my reality, mm-hmm. truly. But, but like one decision, one shift, one change could be the thing that saved me. How do, how do you think you were able to interpret that in a positive manner rather than a negative manner? Like, oh, the problem is me rather than how you interpret it, which was positive. Like, oh, I can literally one decision away from changing my whole life. How did you have that perspective? Because I think a lot of people get to the point where they realize like, holy crap, no matter what circumstances I'm in, I'm insecure, I'm mm-hmm. depressed, whatever it is, right? And and that's more defeating than empowering. But mm-hmm. I think a really powerful perspective to have is like, dude, if you take extreme ownership for everything, that then gives you the keys to your own life mm-hmm. and gives you, because I totally agree with you a thousand percent. Once you realize you're one decision away from changing everything, because it's all you, mm-hmm. it's super empowering. But I know a lot of people who view it differently. And I think there were even times in my life where I viewed it like, like, oh, like I'm broken or there's something wrong with me. Right. Why do you, or how do you think you had the perspective or where did that come from or who gave that to you? I'm curious there. Um, I mean, I have I have a very logical way. I mean, I, I look at the world logically, but I also look at the world spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I am able to bounce between both of those perspectives. And my logical view of the world is there's two sides to the coin to every situation. Mm-hmm. There's a positive side and a negative side. Mm-hmm. And I get to make the choice of which side of the coin is mine. Mm-hmm. And having that understanding was like, okay, well, I don't want the negative shit. Like, I'll just choose the positive. <laughs> if, it's, if it's really, if it's one or another, I'm going to choose like the that. one that, is going to make me feel better. And I know that sounds oversimplified, but that's how I see the world is it's, I, I got two decisions. Yeah. You know, which decision can I make that will actually serve my that's greatest cool. and highest That's cool. That's I've never, yeah, I like that a lot. I've never really heard it explained that way. You basically, in every circumstance, in every situation, you have two different ways to view it or two sides of a coin. One is shit's happening to me. Mm-hmm. And the other is this is happening for me. Mm-hmm. And like you, I mean, you being able to discern that and choose that first year of college. Yeah. I mean, it was impressive. It was like, it wasn't like a snap of a finger and yeah, like yeah. all was good, but I just felt like I was like, Hey, if I didn't like feeling this way, well then why don't I just start not feeling that way and starting to approach situations a little bit differently and not yeah. going into the situation like, Oh, like I don't fit in. I'm insecure. No one likes me. No one wants me here. Well, obviously I'm going to feel like shit if that's my thought process, you know? <laughs> so it's how can I make that shift? And I think, you know, that seed was planted in that first year of college. Yeah. And it took like four or five years to really integrate into my life yep. and kind of get over those things like to to a place where I felt like they weren't controlling me anymore. Yeah. And what was that process like? When you say integrate, there's obviously things that you're doing to integrate it. What were those things that you were consciously or unconsciously doing to go and get to that point where they didn't control you anymore? I think for me, it was like putting myself like in the situation instead mm-hmm. of on the outskirts. I feel like in those years of middle school and high school, I found myself just floating right to the outside of the group or to the outside of the experience. And if I set myself on that, the outside, well, then of course I'm going to feel like an outsider. Yep. But if I go to a social situation and I just say, I'm going to like insert myself into mm-hmm. the experience and be a part of it yeah. and like add value, add my authenticity and my personality to the situation, well, I'm going to feel a lot more part of what's happening. hundred percent. And so, you know, I, I was in a place where I was like, Oh, like, you know, I got this four year college, you know, career or whatever you want to call it ahead of me. And 
well, how can I just start to act a little bit different and, and change my behavior? Because mm-hmm. really, I think change comes down to behavior. That's what changes. How, yep. how can you change your behavior in a way that supports you? And so I just started looking for ways to make those micro shifts. Because I think a lot of times with change, people think it's all or nothing, that we have to do something crazy or we have to make some massive shift. But yep. really change, it's simple. You, you do one thing that compounds over time and it turns into something greater. Yep. And so it's how can I approach a situation and make a micro shift approach another situation to make a micro behavioral shift. Yep. And over time, those would stack up to a new me. Exactly. So basically you just went and just altered your uh, trajectory just a little bit. Yeah. Whereas most people try and stop, take a hard left turn to get over there to the left. But you realize if you go and just change your trajectory a little bit to the left and you give it enough time, you're going to end up just as far to the left. Yeah. Right. And it's that, I mean, that's a super, super powerful lesson in and of itself. Right. Where did you go and pull like because insecurity is basically allowing your fear of failure in some form or fashion to mm-hmm. control your actions. Where did, or maybe it was just because it was so subtle, but I'm curious, where did you go and pull like the courage to be able to go and be like, okay, I'm going to actually go insert myself in these social settings. Cause I relate to that a lot. There was a certain time in life where I was super insecure. Then I was like, I'm like done with this. I'm going to go make good friends. Yeah. Right. And it was really uncomfortable, but it was like, I was just so sick of having no friends basically. Mm-hmm. Where did you go pull the fear from? Or was it just like once you had the realization, you're like, yeah, I need to start doing that. Well, I mean, you, you kind of touched on it right here. I think it, your experience is heavily influenced by the people that you're surrounded with. Mm-hmm. And so I think in college, it felt like I had an opportunity to choose my new friends and choose my community and choose my network and find people that I felt more aligned with. Whereas in you know middle school, you go to middle school and you're kind of inserted into this like bubble. Yeah. You're in that bubble and you all go to high school together in that same bubble. Nothing changes. Yep. But when you go to college and you leave everyone you ever knew for the last 16 years, 18 years of your life, yep. you start fresh and you go, okay, well, I can, I can find a new community. I can choose a new community. And it was so for me, it was finding the people who felt like they already accepted me for who I was. And mm. I didn't have to make a case for who I was. Gotcha. You don't have to go put a mask on and be someone yeah, different or anything exactly. like that. What advice do you have for finding those those people? Because those are obviously the best friends. The best friends are the ones who accept you how you are. You don't have to be any different to be accepted. Mm-hmm. How do you go find those? Because I'm sure there are people listening and I love to challenge things for the people listening where it's like, well, yeah, but like none of those are around me. I'm yeah. not, I can't leave to college. Like I'm stuck here working. I got to do this. I got to provide here. Yeah. Like how do I go find these new circles that are all of a sudden supportive and will accept me how I am, right? I think the big thing is you want to meet people in a space where you're doing a thing you're actually interested in. Mm. So for example, if, if you're someone who doesn't drink, mm-hmm. you probably don't want to go to a bar to meet a friend. You know, <laughs> If you're someone who's doing yoga, you probably want to go to yoga classes yep. and integrate yourself within that community. Yep. So I think the key to finding aligned friendships is doing the things you like to do so mm-hmm. you'd be surrounded with people who also like to do those things. That's really good advice. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Okay, so then you're going through your experience of your four years of college and what were some breakthroughs, what were some realizations and where did you go from there? So, I mean, like I said, you know, I realized that all the things I ever carried in my life, my insecurities and self-doubt, they came with me. Mm-hmm. And for most of my life, I was I was living on autopilot. You know, I was, I knew these things were defining my life. I knew they were controlling me, but mm-hmm. I wasn't doing anything to change them until I really got older. And honestly, my life began the same moment I thought it was going to end. I was, it was 11 p.m. on a Friday night I'm with a group of nine friends. We're at this event. We're leaving the event. We're in the parking lot and we kind of have like destination fixation. So we both like get into separate cars and we peel out of this parking lot. And I swear, like we were on the freeway within like three seconds. Like we were going fast. Yeah. And so we're driving down the freeway, 85 miles per hour. And I have this urge to ask my friend to slow down. And like the words are about to come out of my mouth, but then something kind of holds me back. And I sit back in my seat. And at that very moment, our friends in the other, other car clip our car. We fish chill out of control. We slam into the asphalt and we slide across a five lane freeway. At this point, everything's in slow-mo. You know, the, there's all I can see are sparks. I can like smell the burning metal of the car. And it really feels like my life's about to end. And our car, it stops like just before we're hitting the center divider. And we all climb out of the car in shock. We're on the side of the road and like just heavily confused at what just happened. Yeah. And there's like more paramedics than I can count on one hand around us. And a paramedic walks over to check our heart rates. And as he gets closer, he looks at us and he says, most people aren't alive when I come out to these. And in that moment, 
and after I was like, you know, that, that really took me back. And, yeah. you know, I was really young when this happened. I was at a place in my life where I thought I was invincible. I yep. thought the future was going to be promised to me and I figured it was going to be great. But in the days, weeks, and months after that accident, fear was at the center of my life. Like I couldn't even drive on the freeway. It mm-hmm. was, you know, the scenes of the accident, the scent of the burning metal, the panic, the trauma, the shock, not knowing if I was going to actually live another day, all that would replay. Mm-hmm. And it took a while for those fears to go away. And once they did, that's when I realized that that wasn't a car accident. It was a wake-up call. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I had to stop living on autopilot. I couldn't just continue to manage these problems, let them define my life. Yeah. But I had to make those choices and make those changes that would help me overcome my biggest problems and free me from the things that were holding me back. And that's when I really locked into taking that ownership and that responsibility so that I didn't die and be incredibly regretful of living the, the life that I lived. Yeah. But I could be more proud of what I was doing because I was like, hey, you know what? I left it all on the table. Yeah. And it was that moment in college that was that was the switch. That was that, the switch. That's very, very cool. I mean, I'm sorry you had to go through that as like your oh, wake-up like, call, right? That, like that's, I, I know, like, yes, it sounds intense and yes, it was, but... Biggest blessing. Deeply grateful for what yep. happened. And I think two things. I still think about it to this day. Why did I not speak up? Why did I not ask him to slow down? Yeah. Second thing is, how could 10 friends, one car on the side slides across five lanes, our other friend does two full rotations, land tire side up. How could we all walk away unscathed? That's crazy. There is a protection happening there. And I think, you know, when I reflect on it from a more spiritual sense, it's like, I don't think I was supposed to ask him to slow down. I think there was a lesson that I was bound to learn and that's how I was going to learn it. Yep. And the universe knew that I wasn't going to die. So it's like, hey, we're going to put you through this and then you're going to reflect on it and it's going to change your entire life. Yeah, which is really cool. For anyone listening to avoid the car accident part, um, a really, really cool way to go and kind of approach life in the same way. And we've had a lot of guests who talk about it. Those are specifically actually the guests that we try and have on here who live like today's the day. That's the point of it, mm-hmm. right? A really good way to go and put that in perspective is to go and kind of do everything with the end in mind, right? Like if you've ever heard of like, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to be written on your tombstone? Mm -hmm. If you approach your everyday actions with that in mind, I assume that's probably where you started living from a place of like, there's no guarantee for tomorrow at all. I don't have that. I don't have that right, right? Like every day is a blessing. So I'm going to go and do what I want to do with it and make the most out of it, which I'm super excited to hear about because I literally don't know you. And this is yeah, fun, yeah. as fun for me as everybody else listening, right? Which is yeah. unique for me. Um, okay, cool. So that's like your breakthrough, right? Like that is your your wake up call, like you call it. And I think that's amazing and a massive blessing in disguise at the time. Sure. And now you recognize that, which is really, really cool. Um, so then moving on from there, you lived in fear for a little bit. And then when you finally got over that and stopped living in autopilot, then what? Well, then it was like, now that I was past that fear, I was living through that lens of, hey, if tomorrow's my last day, or it could be my last day, yep. what can I do today to put me in a place that feels like I'm living to my fullest potential? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, like, obviously that was uh, 2013 that it happened, March 22nd, 2013. And I had about, that was sophomore year, sorry, freshman year. So I had three years of school left. And so, you know, life kind of just like, it didn't change much because of the experience I was in. I was in four-year college. I was getting a business degree. There wasn't much I could do outside of that container. Mm -hmm. But after studying four years, I was like, at first I, you know, I chose to be a, a, get a finance degree because I was wanting to make fucking money. Like Mm -hmm. really, I wanted a sexy paycheck. I wanted a, a, you know, cool office and all those cool things that I thought were cool at the time. And I graduated or upon getting closer to graduation, I was like, I don't think I want to be in finance. <laughs> I mean, I just spent four years studying it, but I, I'm starting <laughs> to think this isn't for me. And fortunately, I'm the, so I'm the youngest of four and all three of my siblings had done some sort of traveling after school. Mm-hmm. And it was something my parents had always encouraged us as an option. You know, mm-hmm. we had to pay for it ourselves, but it was an option. They weren't going to force us into a corporate job. And that's like the best part for me, I don't speak for myself. I don't want to speak for my siblings. But one thing that I've really appreciated about my childhood is that my parents never gave us a predetermined path. Mm-hmm. You know, they allowed us to choose the things that felt authentic to us on our heart. Yeah. And so after I graduated, it was like, well, I don't want to go work. You know, I don't, I don't want to do this. And I saved up some money. And so I bought a ticket to Europe for a, a solo backpacking trip. And at first I was supposed to go with a friend. And my friend bailed because he got a job and they had to do training in the summer. 
And so I was like, oh shit, like I'm going to do this alone. You know, I'm gonna, I got to do this by myself. And I, I remember I telling my mom and she was like shocked because it was so out of character for me yeah. because of who I used to be. Yeah. But it felt like that next calling from the universe to really start to understand who the heck Jordan Tarver was. Mm -hmm. And so I flew to Europe uh, and did this five week backpacking trip. And I saw, I was telling my wife the story the other day, we were talking about something, we were on a hike and we were talking about something that brought the story up that I, uh, right when I landed in London, I get on the train and I go into my hostel and I look up, I'm like, damn, I'm going in the wrong direction. And I was like, this is a fucking great start. Like, this is a really great start. Yeah. And so I hop off the train. Luckily, like, you know, it's, it's an English speaking country. So it's really easy to navigate. Get back on the train, go to the hostel, get to the hostel and you, and you go in your hostel rooms, there's lockers under the bed. So you mm -hmm. lock your bag up for the day and you kind of go out and do your thing. Because a lot of hostel rooms, people that haven't been in hostels, you know, six, seven, eight, ten. I was in a room once with 40 people. Like there's a lot of people. It's not just like a hotel. Yep. So I lock my, uh, my bag in there and I'm like, fuck, I got to meet someone. Like I have to go meet someone. And it felt so out of my comfort zone. <laughs> and I realized I was like, okay, well, like I'm going to be here for five weeks. Like I got to do it now. Cause for the next five weeks, I'm gonna have to put myself out there and meet people. Yep. And so I'm like pacing around the hotel or the hostel room, like anxious, stressed out, like just very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it can't be that hard. And so this guy comes in, I was like, yo, dude, you want to go grab a beer? He's like, yeah, sure. And I was like, oh my God, it's that easy. <laughs> like it's that easy to meet people. And I think at that moment, I realized that like, we overcomplicate things so much. Yeah. And I was making up this whole story in my head of how hard it was going to be to meet people, how hard it was to put myself in these situations or make this experience what I wanted it to be. But really it was just one question. And so I did that for the rest of the five weeks. I was I literally became a new person. Yeah. Like my friends, my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, we were, we, we had been friends for four years before we were together. And she said she didn't recognize me when I came home. I was complete. There's a, there's a Jordan Tarver who was before the trip and there was a Jordan Tarver after the trip. And they're two very different people, like very different people. And I found this new groove by putting myself in those uncomfortable situations mm -hmm. and almost forcing myself to do things that I normally wouldn't do at home because mm -hmm. I wasn't in that bubble of, of familiarity anymore. I wasn't yeah. in that comfort zone. And I really fell in love with this, this trip. And I was in Barcelona and I, I was, love Barcelona. Oh, dude, we'll go there. I, lo <laughs> I love Barcelona. So I'm in Barcelona and I'm staying at this hostel and it was like one of the best hostel experiences I've ever had. It was very family oriented. They had family dinners every night. They did bar crawls together. And it was, it just had this different feel. And I fell in love with the place. I fell in love with the people. And later that trip, I flew to Portugal. My sister was living in Paris at the time. And I took a four-hour bus to the, the very tip of Portugal to a place called Sagres. It's, we stayed at a surf hostel to do a week of surfing. And my flight to go home was the next day. And I was like, you know, I don't want to go home. I'm five weeks into this trip. I'm single at the time. I have no job. I, I moved out of my house before I left. I literally don't have a place to live. Like, why am I going home? Like, there's nothing pulling me back. There's no mm -hmm. responsibility. There's no girl. There's no house. And I was like, well, what if I didn't leave? And so I get on Facebook Messenger, popular at the time, and message the hostel manager in Barcelona. And I was like, hey, like, I don't really want to go home. You know, like, I really fell in love with the place, the people. Like, do you guys have any volunteer opportunities there? She's like, yeah, can you be here tomorrow? And I was like, no fucking way. And so I talked to my sister and she's like, yeah, you should go for it. And so I call my parents. I'm like, yeah, if that's what you want to do, you got to do it because you're never going to do this again in your life. Mm -hmm. Again, permission from my parents to do the things that I was called Huge. to do. And so I was like, all right, I quit or I forfeited my flight home the next day, bought a one way to Barcelona and lived and worked at the hostel for another month and a half. So that that's trip so went sick. from five weeks to three months and has been alongside of the car accident, the most defining experience I've ever had in my life. That's so sick. I love that. So as you're out there, when you say you left one person and came back another, I can guess why, but I want to hear some of the reasons why, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the one right out the gates, your first example, you're pacing around your hostel. You're like, I got to go make a friend. And I can imagine that feeling like I, I being alone is like my biggest fear. <laughs> like literally my biggest fear being alone with my thoughts is not my vibe. Right. But also going and being in a situation where I'm not around people I know and having to go meet people is also one of my biggest fears. So that 
to me is like anxiety central. And as you were saying that, I was thinking, we just had Jeff Mendez on and he had a really cool quote I'd never heard. And I'm curious if you've heard it. He said, um, worrying is like paying a debt you don't owe. Mm. And I worry a ton when I'm in those types of situations. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, that there's a one liner that's like my brain remembers clips. That's about yeah. it. And that, that makes perfect sense there. But along the way, what were some other things, right, that were really like groundbreaking to you that were like, oh, aha, that made you leave one way and come back a totally other way? And probably a way that you liked yourself a lot more, I assume, or yeah. you were way more authentic to yourself. Well, like as cliche as it sounds, like I fucking found myself. Yeah. Like, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, go to Europe, backpack, you found it. But like, it's true. Like, I created the space to understand the deepest parts of my soul and essence. And it's because I left the things that were so familiar, so comfortable, so safe. And it required me to adapt to a new situation. And through that, I learned more about myself. Yeah. And so I came back with more authenticity, That's with awesome. more confidence rooted in the authenticity. And also, I think it just opened me up. Mm-hmm. Like I, I came back in that, in that free-spirited uh, energy. Like I was just like, I could do whatever. Like, I feel so comfortable <laughs> doing whatever. I just, I just live for three months out of a backpack, like meeting random people, not knowing a single person. Like it gave me so much confidence of what I could now do in my normal reality. Yeah. And so I think that's what, it just cracked me open, dude. It cracked me open and it revealed like who I truly was. And through that, that's when I really started to find the things that were authentic to me. Like the things that I was truly passionate about. So my, cool. my deepest, like my purpose and like what I was here to do and not just like doing what everyone else wants to do. Cause when you're in that college bubble for anyone that does the, the four year track, like you kind of just get in the rhythm of everybody. You're all yep. doing the same shit. Yep. It's, a, it's a routine. It's a, it's the autopilot. And so I think it just allowed me to break free of that and really ask myself deep questions because like, I mean, as you probably know now, I'm a very introspective person and I go into every situation of like, I could learn something from this. I know I can, you know, and, and yeah. if I reflect on it, I could even learn more. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of the breakthroughs came after. It was go do the experience, go live it, go enjoy it, go get drunk on a bar call, go meet people, go go have the craziest time for three months and then come back and do the homework. Yep. What did that mean? What did it add? What did you mm-hmm. learn? Mm-hmm. And so I think the real breakthroughs came after when I started to, have space from that experience and get out of that bubble and be able to look back on it with more pure eyes of wondering like, okay, what was this? What did it do for me? And how is it serving me? I love that. And what did you find? So you get back and you start looking back on it and and trying to give it all meaning, which I think is really, really cool as well, because I think a lot of people have life-changing experiences, but they don't reflect on them enough to go and give them meaning that they can carry through the rest of their life. Yeah. Right. And you don't have to go travel Spain and Europe and everything for, you don't have to go to Europe for four weeks or five weeks or three months to go and have like, it can be any experience in life. Yeah. If you look back and give enough meaning because everything's happening for a reason. For sure. So, so as you do that, what are you learning? What are you finding? What are you seeing? Yeah. So to take it back a little bit, when I got home, still jobless, but I mean, I was, so if I'll unpack this a little bit before we go there, I was living on a tight budget when I was on a trip. Like I said, it was self-funded. And mm-hmm. so I was doing everything I could to make my dollar go far. Yep. But I was running out of money. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point where I was using a credit card and it was like accepting my credit card over the balance. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to, I guess, kind of use my credit card for now until I get home. But I was like, <laughs> shit, like I need money. Like I do need money. And mm-hmm. I wasn't making money. When I worked at the hostel, it was a trade. So I got room and board mm-hmm. and food. And uh, if we had the, if we led the bar call, we would, we'd get like free drinks and shit like that. But there was, there was no money involved. So I wasn't refilling my bank account. I was just emptying it the whole time. And so when I was on my trip, I was like, okay, well, I need to expedite this hiring process of getting the job. And I had a couple of friends who were working at a mortgage company and aligned with my finance degree and had good friendships with them. And so I sent them my resume like two weeks before coming home to see if they can get me in and yeah. like get the interview process going. Yep. So when I got home, I was still jobless. Like that didn't have, that process didn't come to fruition yet. I didn't have the job. Yep. So I was jobless. I also had no house. And so I was like, okay, well, where the fuck am I going to live? And how the <laughs> fuck am I going to make money? Luckily, I have a really good core group of friends who are still my best friends today. They were my wedding four months ago. Like these are like my guys, you know? And they're like, dude, why don't you just come sleep on our couch? until you figure your shit out. And I was like, thank you. Like, I, I, I'll i clean the house. I'll do anything. I, I can't pay you guys, but I'll do anything to at least try to compensate in some way. Yeah. And so I was sleeping on the couch for two months. 
without a job. And I was wondering, you know, like being this intentional person I am, at the time I was surfing a lot. And so I was surfing all day or all morning. And then I'd have like, you know, from one to nighttime of free time. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, okay, all my friends are at work. What do I do? And I was like, I, got, I can't just sit around. I'm not a video game player. I don't love TV. I can't just sit here and do nothing. Yep. And I was like, well, before leaving for the trip, I wanted to make it a really intentional trip. And so I brought this journal, leather bound journal. I got this patch made on it and just had made sure it like held a lot of meaning within like meaning within the actual journal itself mm -hmm. and made it meaningful to me, like named it and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, I have this journal. I have this journal of journal every day. I got all this documentation of the trip. What if I turn that into a book? Because I was starting to fall in love with writing on my trip. And before mm -hmm. the trip, I fucking hated writing, dude. I wasn't good at it. I had no interest in doing it. Yeah. But as I started to write more about myself and what I was learning, it was becoming something that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, what if I turn this into a book of some sort? And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start copying all the journal entries into like a Google Doc. And so I started copying the journal entries into the Google Doc. And then I was like, okay, well, how can I make this? Because for me, in all the work I do, my purpose right now is to express myself with an emph emphasis on helping other people. Mm. That's what I'm here to do. Express myself while helping other people through that self-expression. So I didn't want to just write a book about my life or that trip. I wanted to write a book that people would actually take something away. So I asked myself, well, how can I add something into this book to make it a learning for other people? Yep. And so I started doing present day reflections on those journal entries. So I was reliving those moments and asking myself, what was I being taught? What was I learning in this moment that I could one, take into my life, but also spread into others? And so through that process of writing the book, that's where that deep self-reflection really started. Mm. And I started to really unpack like all the things that I was learning. I love that. Yeah. So you you were not only reliving it, you were extracting the lessons with a purpose behind it, which probably meant you were getting a lot more out of it than mm -hmm. most people that go back for selfish reasons. I'm not saying selfish, selfish reasons are wrong. You want to go get all the lessons out of every experience, but you had like a purpose behind it, which is very, very cool and very unique. So then you went like, maybe not, but you went like green lights mode. You pulled a journal out. Have you read that book? <laughs> yeah. I love that book. I've read it multiple times. And you Great just, on audio. It's well. so good. on. So is Will. Will and okay. green lights are both so good on audio because Will Smith and Matthew McConaughey read them. Yeah. And he's probably super dramatic. Oh, and like he raps in it. In it. It's, it's amazing, dude. Both those are amazing. But you went green lights full on. You pulled the journal out. You went and did you go and create a book out of that then? Yeah. So I created a book. It was, uh, so to give a little backstory on that journal. Yeah. What'd you name it? This is that story. So, okay, good. Yeah, I got to uh, know. I, I yeah, was yeah. going to ask. I'm like, ah, I got to ask. Yeah, I want to yeah. know what you named it. <laughs> uh, so as we're probably under, uh, understanding so far, I'm, I'm a very purpose-driven, intentional person. I love to like put so, assign so much meaning to things in my life. It mm -hmm. makes me more motivated, inspired to do them. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, I don't want to just bring a journal. I don't want to just bring a moleskin. Like this is my first time journaling. I want to make it like important. I want to make it mean something to me. I want to make it, I want to make it sick. Cause yeah. like, I started my journey as a, as a travel photographer. So at my core, like I'm an artist, yep. like artist through and through, and I will carry that forever with me. That, that's where I draw a lot of my, draw a lot of my work from is, is the artistry within me. So to me, it was an art project. And I, so I was thinking about it and I was like, what would this, what, what, what would this be called? And so I came up with this name called To Whom It May Concern. And the idea of that was that, and I guess this is without even me knowing at the time, I, I was foreshadowing to what was going to happen was if my journal fell out of my backpack when I was traveling mm -hmm. and someone picked it up, it would feel like it was written to them and for them. Mm. And so from the very beginning, the intention of the journal was, was more than me. It was writing to someone else. It was writing it for my kids one day to understand what I did at that age. It was documenting it for other people to learn for their own purposes. Mm -hmm. And Little did I know, I was actually, I didn't know at the time I was going to turn into a book, but That's it made so, so cool. much sense. So the book was called Moment to Whom It May Concern, um, volume one. There isn't a volume two. Don't know if it will expand. Uh, and I just really kept, that was like more of a passion project. So like, yep. you can't actually find it online anymore. I've, yep. it, it's since been taken down. And I just released it within my inner circle, really close community. And because I was a travel photographer at the time, when I did the book launch, I actually held this event at a coffee shop and did an entire art gallery of all my photos printed on 20 by 30 wood prints and essentially made a visual walkthrough 
of that'd the be, trip itself. Cool. And that was like the launch event. But I didn't like pour effort and money behind it. Yeah. That, for me, that wasn't the purpose. For yep. me, I think the purpose was exploring that passion for the first time with like open curiosity of what would happen if I, if I started to explore writing. Yep. And little did I know that would unfold into everything I'm doing now. But it started with that one ounce of curiosity with no end goal besides what's over here. That's awesome. That's way cool. So then you went and you you get home, you write the book, you're sleeping on your friend's couch, and then where do you go from there? To get from there to where you're at <laughs> is, um, I'm curious on that, and I, I think that'll be super fun to go and hear about as well. How long ago was this, by the way, when you're sleeping on the couch? How many years ago? That was in 26, end of 2016. Got so it. was that seven seven years ago or eight years ago? Now. I was about to graduate high school the, the year following. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so it was- I'm uh, a baby. Okay, gotcha. I'm a baby. How old are you? I'm 24. I'm 24, I'm 29. So there we go. We're young. We're young. We're both young. We got a lot of life. We got plenty, (laughs) hopefully, right? Um, So you're sleeping on their couch. Did you finally get a job or were you, was this like, how how many months was this where you're just like working on your passion project? That sounds amazing in and of itself. Yeah. Surfing all morning, working on your project. Good life. That's amazing, right? Good life, but stressed out because I had bank money you know? so it's like <laughs> the endless credit card wasn't yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was just like you know it was just hanging over my head and i was I like wanted that. to get down um so it took two months so i got home in end of august i was working in october for a mortgage company yeah at the time i needed money and i didn't finish the project by the time i got the job i had got to a point where i wasn't copying stuff anymore so i was just writing and so it took some time to actually complete i can't remember off the top of my head Actually, I do. I've released the book June 9th, 2016, 2017. So not even a year after you got home. Yeah. That's awesome. About, yeah. Um, and I remember that because it, it was the day after my mom's birthday and I coincidentally released my neck. I might need to text you and get a copy. It's not online anymore, but I might need to text you and I get got a copy. some of my house, dude. I might need a copy of that. Just no, so you, you can't know. judge me though because I... I, I I don't know what that writing the looks la- like. The last thing I would do is go and judge you. I might need a copy though, for real. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get you both both books. But, That's uh, awesome. Um, yeah, you would you'd be one of the, one of the hundred people that happen in the world. <laughs> That's, I like that. Yeah, like the resale that. value might be might be big That's in a couple I'm years. Saying, Who knows? I'm, I'm capitalistic. I might need two copies, <laughs> one to keep, one to sell. So yeah. you, you never know. That's awesome. So you get that you get that wrapped up. You you have a job. Was that a job where you saw a career in? Was it just to go and get that credit card paid off. What was your vision then? Where were you going then? Yeah, at first it was for money because it was the easiest place for me to make a paycheck that would support what I needed at that time. It It was to lean into my degree. Got it. Really. Because at the time, like what we're experiencing now with technology and online businesses, that wasn't quite a thing yet. Like it was a thing, but it wasn't the thing it is now. Yeah. It wasn't as accessible. You know, at the time I was really... I was trying to make it as a travel photographer. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, it, it was in the days of Instagram travel and spell was like the fucking shit. And you plan out your feed and you make it look all sick and it yep. looks like a gallery. Like that was the vibe. And so that's those what I was- Those were the good old days. Yeah, dude. It's way different now. Yeah, those it was great. way more artistic. Those you know? were great. It was, it literally was an art journal. For sure. Yeah, was, it's, it's definitely, the good old days. you know, changed a lot. But um, I found like, that obviously wasn't going to happen fast enough for me to get work. And so I was yeah. like, okay, well, the e- next easiest thing is to, work in the place that I studied. Yep. So I worked in a mortgage company. I was with that first company. I was in the industry for two and a half years. Cool. I was with that first company for just over a year. And I just never felt aligned. Like immediately, I just knew like, this isn't for me. Like yeah. working in the finance is not my shit. Like not, not Do you me. think that part of that was because of all of the enlightenment that's another like cliche cheesy yeah. word to go use but like the enlightenment or the the new perspective you had from your time in europe where you're like i can do anything i want to do frankly for yeah and like i think i realized that the truth is like if i was going to work and i'm going to not for the rest but close to it but if i was going to work for the rest of my life hypothetically mm-hmm. i have to do something that gives back to me yep or i could it could be a, an even an energy exchange you yep. know i could leave feeling maybe more full than yeah. when I came in instead of feeling it's less a depo- full. It's a deposit, not a withdrawal. Right. Yeah. And so, and I felt that I was, I've, was just very in tune with my energy. At the time, I was very open and aware. Like mm-hmm. the, the one thing about the trip is it just heightened my awareness like immensely and exponentially and really rapidly. And your self-awareness as well. Yeah, right, is for sure. Yeah. It's amazing. And so I was aware of what was going on and here and like the feelings and the emotions and like 
the alignment or the misalignment. Mm-hmm. And so I really felt that immediately at the, the, the mortgage company. I was like, this isn't for me. Like, not at all. Yep. And so while well, I was like, well, I have a degree in finance. If I don't want to do finance, well, what else can I do? Well, I was mm-hmm. like, well, I just fell in love with writing on my trip to Europe. Like, is there a way I can make a living through writing? Mm-hmm. That seems like the next best opportunity to explore. And at the time, this is probably about a year into the mortgage business. And I eventually found a new job and it's a work from home job, which is great. You know, it's work from home and in, in 20, late 2017 was like very uncommon. Yep. Nothing like it is today. Yep. So I was like, oh, I'm special. Like I got the treatment, you know, I was like, how can I leverage this though? How can I leverage this time at home? And my brother at the time was, he was working at a, an editorial company. And so he was doing writing and he was um, using that craft to make a living. And he had all these freelancers. And I was like, hey, dude, like, what does it take for me to get a writing job? He's like, well, you need fucking reps. Like you need reps. Like that's the truth. Yeah. You don't have a journalism background. You have no samples. Like you have to prove that you're good. And I was like, well, can you help me? He's like, yeah. So he gave me two of his clients. Yeah. And so I'm working an eight hour mortgage job. And then I'm also working two hours on the back end after mm-hmm. for this freelance writing gig. And I do that to, to build up those samples and, and really try to make myself, one, learn how to write and get better, but then two, show that I could do it when I go to apply for a company that is an, a, an editorial online publication, let's yep. say. And so I do that for like, maybe like let's just say six months to a year. Okay. I can't remember the exact dates on that. And it wasn't going very well. That wasn't good. Which part? Oh, the writing. The writing. Like, Got it. Wasn't very good. Um, definitely was coming up short on a lot of on projects. Like I clearly didn't have a writing background. You know, like <laughs> reality hit me in my face. I had a lot of work to do. Yeah. But because I was so connected to what it would provide me in doing something I loved, those reps and those failures and those mistakes were worth it because that was the key to unlocking the door to the thing that I wanted. Got it. And so I was willing to do the You work. had a why. Yes. Yep. And like, my thing is, is like, I will do what's required. Like I will do what's required to be the best at something that I want to be the best at. Like, yep. I will go the distance. I will do the uncommon. I will do the things that no one wants to do because to me, remaining the same, especially in a life you don't like, that pain is far greater than the pain endured while transforming your life to get to a place that you want. So 100%. I was like, I will, I will feel that pain because I know the end result is better than staying stuck in this life. Yep. And so I, dude, just reps and reps and reps. And there was one time at the very end of it, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to apply for a job. I think I'm ready. And my brother was then working at a new company. He was at an online publication in New York. And he's like, hey, dude, there's this, there's this role open on this team. You can apply, but I'm not going to help you get the job. Like mm-hmm. you have to get it. I'm not going to co-sign. Like I don't want to be attached to it. I don't want to know nepotism. You have to earn that job. And so I applied for that job and I was on this, this uh, road trip with my girlfriend at the time, now wife. And I get a, a message from one of the freelance clients. And he's like, hey, Jordan, I don't think this is going to work anymore. I think you got work to do. And so here I am applying for a full-time job saying to myself, I can do this. And then on the other spectrum, someone's telling me I'm not good enough. Yep. And so now I'm fighting this like duality of, am I good enough? Who do I believe? It? Do I believe him? Do I believe myself? Mm-hmm. And I did everything I could to just drown that out and just trust the process. Yep. And so I applied to this job and I earned the position and I got the job. Let's and go. that's when I made that switch from out of the finance world for good mm-hmm. and into this realm of editorial, but really just this world of writing mm-hmm. as a profession. Yeah. That's very, very, very cool. I mean, I mean, and you just mentioned something super cool. Basically we get faced with opportunities to doubt ourselves all the time. And sometimes everything in life points to the doubt is right, right? Like mm-hmm. the doubt is correct. The faith the math is not, adds up, yeah. right? The math is pointing towards doubt, not faith. And you have to literally have faith regardless. That's, that is very, very cool. And that was, so that was then six, five years ago. Yeah. I got that job in uh, 2018. So five mm-hmm. years ago or six years ago now, I guess. Yeah. Wow, that's just crazy. about. Um, that's awesome. So then where does it go from there? So you're, what, what was, what was your job there at the editorial? So I started as a junior staff writer. Okay. Within six months, I was promoted to staff writer. And then another six months I was promoted to the editor of the section. And then I worked at that company for 
a year and a half, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then at a point I was headhunted by Forbes. And so I was headhunted by Forbes, still with them today, still work with them. Um, and I run a large team there that focuses on, and the nice thing too, like, yeah, I didn't work in the finance world, but I, I ma- manage and edit and organize teams that focus on personal finance content. Got it. So it's still within my wheelhouse in a way. Got it. Um, you found a way to go kind of collab a little bit. Yeah. Like so that. I was headhunted by Forbes in uh, the end of 2020 mm-hmm. and then kind of made that switch there. That is my corporate career, but mm-hmm. I have this whole other world over here going out at the same time of like building the personal brand, building my online presence, writing my next book. Yep. You know, writing that. Cause like the first book, it was like passion project. Really proud of it. Really proud of myself for even doing that. Like yeah. having the the motivation and the belief that I could do something like that, especially Badass. not having like a b- writing background and not feeling like I was ever a strong writer. Yep. Um, and then I was like, well, I want to do it f- for real. I want to like write a real self-help book, yep. make a statement because personal development, like that's my thing. Like yep. that's, that's my truth. That's like who I am. And so I just wanted to be- I don't want to say become someone, but make a statement so loud in that industry that it brought my work into the spotlight in some sense. I love that. So although I was working this corporate career, which I still do, and there's going to be a time where that transition happens and it's coming. For sure. Um, but I'm pouring like so much energy and purpose into this, what is basically a business right now. Um, this brand and this message and, the, and this really body of work in the world yeah that that that's where my heart is like that's truly where my heart is and yeah for me the next thing in that journey was writing my book you deserve this shit that's that's your book you deserve this shit yeah i love it there you go plug it a little bit harder yeah, yeah. come on i like that a lot um dude it's so cool your story's dope and honestly as i'm listening to your story it's like i'm loving it because it's it's what basically I, the amount of like introspection and the way that you look at things and approaching things through a spiritual lens while also having your logical lens, but allowing your spiritual self to appear along with the, with your yeah. intellectual self is it's a balance. Not many people have. And I think the more people hear about it, the less like woo woo it becomes. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think, and I think that's what's so powerful. Yeah. I just want to quickly jump in on that before wherever you're going next. But I think that's part of my, my gift as who I am and my brand and what I present in the world is like, I'm a normal fucking dude, man. Yeah, like I, I watch football on Sundays. Like I'm a guy's guy. I, I was in a fraternity, like did all the things. Yep. But at the same time, like my heart's open. Mm-hmm. I'm emotionally connected to myself. I'm emotionally available to my wife and to people around me. I feel my feelings. I talk about my feelings. I communicate and I'm deeply spiritual and have deep spiritual practices. And I think the reason why I say it's a gift is like, I hope that just by being me, I can give permission to other people like me that it's okay to be open spiritually. It's okay to be open-hearted. It's okay to feel your emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big play and big thing I'm trying to do in the world is like, yo, it's all good, man. Like you can cry. Yeah. It's all good. Like it's better if you do cry, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what I want to put out there. And I think that's why I love that balance of both that like logical analytical, but like spiritual open emotional is because I feel like I can hopefully give someone permission to be like, you know what, like he's normal, but he also feels this like, and the, the, soon enough, those behaviors to them will become one and the same. Yep. Being emotional, being spiritual is normal. Yeah. And that's what I hope I can do just by being myself. A hundred percent. And I would say not even normal and not even okay. It's like a superpower. Like it literally is like, Truly. like, I mean, first time I ever cried on my own freaking podcast with a kid. He's one of my best friends, biggest mentors, Casey. Why he was on here, made me cry. He was on the event today, right? He's at the yeah, event yeah. today. Yep. Made me, made me cry on my own podcast, but he's the most open hearted dude I've ever met. Oh, in I my can life. feel it Like he, he has a legitimate presence where everywhere he goes, he's like the warmest person ever. And he's like, I'm sure he has all of his faults, but like people don't even realize that because his superpower is being so open. He owns the motion. He wears him on his sleeve in a good way. Like he's, he's exactly what you're describing. It's a superpower. Not mm-hmm. only is it okay, it's literally a superpower. Yeah. Right. So I love that. I think your message is amazing. Thank you. Um, does that leave us then where we are today? Like right now in that place or, or anything past that? With, With the, the career where you're at right now, you're building your brand, everything like that. Yeah. So I guess like the real thing, the, I guess the next thing in the story was, after I wrote that first book, I was like, well, like, you know, I want to do something legit. Yep. I want to make a book that's like selling. Like yep. It's really transforming lives. Yep. 
And so I had this idea, again, pulling from my current life experience was self-discovery because that trip to Europe was a, a self-discovery journey. Yep. Truly, that's what it was. Yeah. And so I started to do more self-reflection. It's like, well, if I want to teach from personal experience, which I love to do because I feel like it resonates really deeply with people, what do I know so far to be true through the things that I've lived? And it was understanding how to find myself. Like mm-hmm. understanding what it took to really understand my path, find my path, get unstuck from the places I didn't like to be mm-hmm. and move forward and start to work toward becoming the best version of myself. I will make a caveat that I don't think I will ever be the best version because that is the version that's in front of me and I'm always working toward that. Yep. But I can at least make an effort to to follow that hero and, and to go after yep. them. And so I was like, well, I think I could write a book on this. Like I could, I could do this. I know I, I got it in me. It's like, it's ready to come out. Yeah, And so I made this goal in 2019 was to start the draft of the book. Mm. And I wrote the whole thing. It so literally was ready to come out. And like, I create all my work from a channeled state. And so it's like very deep, again, deeply spiritual and like yep. really open and just like, I speak when I write. And so I feel like it's not even me. I'm just receiving and downloading and spitting stuff out. Yeah. So if you walked in my room, you're like, dude, this fucking kid's crazy. I'm like, I'm like, you're like, this is why you should do this. And like, you know, like I'm like speaking and like under my breath, but it, it helps me download these ideas faster. Yeah. And so when I was doing that with that book, it was just coming out, dude, I was writing it so fast. I wrote the, the draft, the first draft I wrote in six months all while working that full-time job. So I was yep. writing every morning from seven to eight. My goal was 500 words per day. I figured again, chunking out change, chunking out progress, mm-hmm. getting down to the littlest bit. If I can write 500 words per day, that's going to compound into 50,000 words before I know it. You yep. know, it's going to happen quick. Yep. But when you look at a big project, like, oh God, I got to write 50 or 60,000 words. Like, it's like you're not going to do it. So yep. it's like, it was just every day. The challenge was 500 words. And I yeah. did that, um, finished writing the book, went through all the editing and the book was ready to go. And then the pandemic hit. I was, a lot, I was legit going to put it out June of 2020 <laughs> pandemic hits in Perfect March timing. and I'm like, well, the nice thing is I'm self-publishing it. So I don't have someone over my shoulder being like, yo, dude, you got to put it out. Yep. And so I was like, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it. Like I want to wait until the moment. This is yep. the moment and being in tune with that and, and being connected to my intuition. I was able to make that decision and be like very confident in my decision. Yeah. So like, I'll, I'll hold it. And so I put it out in June of 2021. And the reason why I remembered the June 9th date from the first book is I coincidentally put the book out on the same date. The same date. Which is like, again, <laughs> so, so, I don't know, so much synchronicities between I love that. different creative projects in my life. I love that. So I put it out um, in June of 2021. And then I've spent the last, uh, I guess it's coming up on three years this June, last two and a half years, really marketing that book online. And, you know, at first it was crickets, man. Like the first day, obviously, great. Because you got your friends boosting you. You got like people hyping you up and you feel on top of the world. And day two, and it's 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 nothing. It's, you know, it's like you get like I got like a hundred sales on the first day, and then nothing on day two, and then it was like for from June to December, it was like five copies a month, yeah, ten copies a month, six copies a month, and I'm like, oh, dude, I don't think I got it. Like I think I got to give up. I don't think this. I'm not. I can't do this. Yeah, I'm not meant for this. And I was like, no, like I I literally I will not let myself just give up. I yep. can't just quit. Yep. I can't waste that potential. And I know like it's in me. And at the time I was doing all my marketing on, on Instagram. And I was like, oh, why don't I try TikTok? Like all the kids are saying. So I go to TikTok and it doesn't work, you know, not really feeling it. So I go back to Instagram. It's not really working. I still getting like, you know, five or 10 copies a month. And I was like, okay, I just need to commit to TikTok and go hard and talk about my book and make it a thing and, and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't, it's never going to be seen. So I go back to TikTok and things start to move. It's like moving. And I'm like, okay, there's some traction here. Things was picking up. And then I post this video. I think it was on Christmas Eve. I did a book recommendation. It was I was recommending three books and one of the books was mine. And I wake up on December 26th at my parents' house and I was like, holy shit, I sold 100 books last night. I was like, no fucking way. Like something's working. So I go on TikTok and there's this video with like, you know, it has like 100,000 views and it's starting to gain traction. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now like I'm gonna go in my business mind real quick and be like, there's an opportunity here this style video worked. How can I replicate and duplicate this and make this happen more and more and more? Yep. And so I started making these book recommendations and I always would include my book. I'd always recommend I my book because I fucking believe in it. I, and I, I know what it can do. Yeah. 
And then, you know, at first I was like, oh, a hundred copies. And I was like, you know, flashing a pan. Like, who, who am I? Like, I'm this insecure kid, like small town. Who am I to have this kind of success? End of January, we sold a thousand. And I was like, oh shit, like this is happening. I'm like, you know, go back to that self-doubt, like flashing a pan. Why me? Like, this is going to keep happening. And then I post a video on February 2nd, 2022, yeah, 22, with my book in it, three and a half million views. Now I was like, okay, if if this video had 600,000 and it sold this many, and this has like five times the amount of views, like what's going to happen? Yeah. And so I go on my selling report, 1,800 copies in 72 hours. And That's I was so like, sick. dude, what? And I was like, no way. Yeah. End of February, 5,000 books. We're booked, we're ranked number 135 on all of Amazon at the time. That's so And I sick. was like, one, there's something special here with this book and this message. People are gravitating toward it. Mm-hmm. But also there's something special with using social media as a way to impact and spread my message. Yep. And so that was the, the switch that has now compounded in the book selling over 30,000 copies. So sick, dude. I love that. That gets me so fired up because it's like, there are so many points in your story that are the points where people give up, mm-hmm. right? The, the biggest one is before they even start, right? They just overcomplicate it. They look at the 50,000 words, like, yep, not doing that, right? Or oh, I'd love to do that. And then they just never do it. That's the first place most people give up. Then it's the fear of once they go and they write the book, they don't want to release it because then they're open to failure, right? Mm-hmm. They fail there, right? They give up there. Then it's they release it. They get through day one, all the friends and family support and day two hits and they're like, okay, this, yep, that was a fluke. I shouldn't have done that. Like, And then they go six months down the road and it's five copies a week and they just kind of give up, take it off. Don't worry about it anymore, right? But like the persistence, I think, is the real lesson for people to learn, like, the faith, you're acting in faith all the way through. And then your persistence is so badass. Like, it's so cool. Thank you. And there's no substitute for it at all, right? Which is really, really cool. I love that. I love your story. I appreciate it, man. That's very, appreciate very cool. And now, now what's the vision, right? Now what's the game plan, the vision? You're still at Forbes, right? Yeah. So I'm still working with Forbes, still building this whole business and empire over here with the self-improvement stuff. Um, but the next step is... So I'm doing keynote speaking is like where my business has taken me now. Yep. And that first opportunity came through the book. Yeah. So like, just like going, like going direct to camera really quick. If you're thinking of doing something, if you're thinking of starting something in your life or, or whatever it is, that curiosity can really unfold to anything. When I first decided to make a journal on my trip to Europe, I never thought that it would become anything past the journal, but that turned into one book that turned into another book. And that turned into an email of me, want, someone wanting me to come speak at an event. And now this is the whole career. And so when I think about the book, it's like, just take the action because you never know what it's going to compound into. Yep. Had I not brought that journal to Europe, I couldn't even tell you if I'd be in the seat right now. True. Yeah. Like I'm being fucking honest. Like yeah. I don't know if I'd be here. And it's like, just take the action because you never know what's going to come from it. You never know what one shift one change, one decision will lead to. And that's where the magic happens. Like mm-hmm. that's where possibilities are created is when you make that shift and you go after it and you you are persistent. And so now it's like, well, this opportunity came across my plate April of 2022. And so now I'm in this whole world of, of keynote speaking. It's like, why well, I'm speaking on the event tomorrow with, yep. with Doug. And so I'm officially launching the speaking business and practice in February. I'm already on stage and whatnot, but like publicly online with the whole new website and we're doing giveaways and we're making it a thing because I want it like I don't like to just release something and be like shower me with like shower me with all this like praise and and buzz like I want people I want there to be value for the community and the audience as well not like hey congratulations you launched but it's like what can I give them what can I create for them to make it valuable for them? Yep. And so we're going to be doing all these like really dope motivational post poster, like artwork giveaways. And I'll be holding like a, an exclusive community. I'm calling it like a talk shop. It's going to be like kind of like a keynote, but more workshoppy vibes and like yeah. Q and a, and it'd be really, really valuable for them. I love it. So really trying to find opportunities to make it more about them mm-hmm. and less about me launching the business. Mm-hmm. But that's to say like, that's the next wave. Like all of 2024 is like, 
we're going, we're going head down speaking yep. and that's going to be the career. And you just nailed it on the head why it's going to work. Like you, I mean, every, every person that I've interviewed and every person or every, every mentor I have in my life, that's, that's where their head is at. Their head is at, how do I go provide more value than I'm receiving? And if you lead with that, you always end up winning. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know an example where you don't. Yeah. So dude, I'm that, that's super exciting. One of my favorite things in the world is part twos going and following up with people after things. And I love it. And we will absolutely do oh, that. Dude, I love yeah. that. I was even going to ask one last final piece of advice, but you honestly just dropped the freaking bomb. And I think, I think that is like the piece of advice. Like if you have something, take your action. You never know what it's going to lead to act in faith and see what happens. Right. So I, I freaking love that. Um, I want to be super respectful of everybody's time. The, the studio, you, I appreciate you again. I Thank know you, I mean, man. you traveled in today. You're an absolute badass. I'm super grateful for the connection. I look forward to staying connected throughout time and, and everything like that. And if we can ever do anything for you, we would absolutely love to. So once again, thank you so, so much. And everybody for listening, thank you guys and much love until next time. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Um, as always, it was a blast for me. I hope you got something out of this. If you got something out of this video, of value share this with a friend and please go show your love we're on all streaming platforms including youtube spotify and apple any ratings comments likes shares they go a very long way and they make it so i can keep doing these things for you and i would appreciate it greatly so please go share with a friend until next time